Welcome aboard the System76 transmission log. Our broadcast is about to begin. This is the latest on System76 computers, manufacturing, and Pop! OS. Now, for your in-orbit crew. So Emma, I know a lot's been happening around System76 since the last episode, and we'll get into that here in just a bit, but what's been going on with the happiness team recently? Well, we got a new addition to the team. His name is Chuck the Unicorn, and he's currently dangling from the ceiling, spreading rainbows and happiness throughout the office. I would say that I am 0% surprised that there is a unicorn hanging from the ceiling in the happiness team's area. Uh, I am curious, though, why the name Chuck? Well, I wanted to call him Charlie the Unicorn for obvious reasons, but then Garrett um, instantly said, Chuck, what's up, Chuck, and made us all laugh. So we um, decided to call him Chuck. I mean, okay, that's fine. That makes absolute sense to me. Charlie the Unicorn (laughs) makes a ton of sense to me, too. But you mentioned Garrett. So Garrett's also a new human to the team, right? Yes, we did add two new humans to the support team. We have Garrett and Nathaniel, and they are fabulous additions to our team. And uh, Garrett obviously fits right in in naming the unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, moving on and getting into some of the news for this month, we've got some exclusive news in this episode, so definitely stay tuned for that. Um, But Emma, you want to just kick us off into some of the news this month? Definitely. Thalio Mira is now configurable with NVIDIA RTX 4080 or 4090 graphics. So I went on YouTube to compare the performance for the 4080 against the 1080, just because I remember how epic that card was at the time. Um, And the 4080 showed almost quadruple the performance for gaming. So can I get the Mira right now with this configuration? Yes, this is live on the site. Oh, awesome. Sweet. So if you're looking for a, uh, a beast of a graphics card in your Thaleo Mira, then definitely go check that out. Up next, we have some small but powerful news. On March 16th, we released a refresh to Meerkat. So Meerkat's now rocking the 12th gen Intel CPU, uh, which sports up to 12 cores and 16 threads. You can configure it out with up to 16 terabytes worth of storage in the tall version. Personally, I really want one of these to use in my home lab environment. Uh, I run Home Assistant so that I can control all of my smart devices in my home. Um, It would be great for something like this. And then obviously with the additional cores and threads um, to spin up additional virtual machines and stuff like that just to play around with. But that being said, that would be kind of my use. This would make a great little workstation, um, especially if space was an issue for you. You could mount this on the back of your monitor um, or it's small enough that it could really you know, fit anywhere. And it really does pack a punch. So uh, if, if maybe you're looking for a great machine, but you don't need to go all the way to the scale of something like Thaleo, then definitely go check out the new Meerkat. It's, it's a cool little machine. And the headphone jack is back on it. So, And another piece of hardware that we're actually going to be releasing the day that we're recording this is the new Gazelle. So the Gazelle has been refreshed. Uh, It now sports the 13th gen Intel CPU, NVIDIA's RTX 3050, uh, PCIe 4 storage, and up to 64 gigs of RAM. 
And of course, you know, keeping with our ethos and the fact that the Gazelle is an Intel-based machine, it does ship with open firmware. It does ship with Core Boot, uh, which is optimized for for speed and security. And then, you know, as with any System76 piece of hardware, you have your choice of Pop! OS or Ubuntu. So if you're in the market for a laptop with a dedicated GPU, then go ahead and jump in, take a look at the Gazelle, you know, get yourself a, a little machine to do a high volume of work. But now we're going to mention that exclusive news that we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, and I'm going to let Emma fill us in. What's this exclusive news that we have for this episode? Over the last year, we've been introducing design changes to our Thaleo desktop line to offer the Thaleo chassis as a standalone product. Standard rear I.O. shields were added to Mira and major versions of Thaleo, and it's on its way to Thaleo as well. We moved from the wrapped wood to the changeable Thaleo accent so custom builders could get the style they were looking for without needing a completely different exterior. And we've also been working on separating the SATA backplane from Thaleo I.O. so custom builders can use the SATA backplane and connect fans and power directly to the motherboard. And we added mount locations for standard fan sizes. And it's just a bunch of small details over the last year leading up to offering the case separately. And I love the new name. The new brand name for the case is Nebula. It's a few months away, but still it'll come in at least two models, perhaps three at release. Each is named after the size. So Nebula 19 is our 19 liter mini ITX Thaleo. Nebula 36 is the 36 liter ATX Mira. And Nebula 49 is our 49 liter major that supports up to EATX boards. Nebula 49 may arrive a bit later, depending on how production comes together over the next couple of months. But stay tuned to the podcast and our social media for updates as they're available. That's some pretty huge news. I remember when Thalia was initially launched and loved the design so much and had to have one and then was eventually given one at the super fan event. Um, and it's my workstation today, but we always get questions with people asking us, you know, do, would we ever consider selling the case by itself? Well, your answer is yes. And it's coming pretty soon. So, uh, like Emma said, stay tuned to the podcast and stay tuned to our social media, uh, feeds for updates and, and when that will become available. I'm pretty excited about it, and I can't wait to see what people do once they get uh, Nebula and start building in it. I'm I'm really looking forward to see uh, what people pack into these into these machines. Moving on, though, we do have some uh, cosmic news, um, some Pop OS news. Um, you know, as as you can imagine, the development is just full steam ahead um, and everybody's working their tails off to to bring everything together and it's and to me it's really starting to show brock on our engineering team he's been laying the groundwork for animations in the ice toolkit which we're calling cosmic time um, and as you would expect this toolkit is also written in rust right so it's going to be a really speedy really quick toolkit um, so that equates to really buttery smooth animations going throughout cosmic and this work has also already been upstreamed and is available on crates io uh, for anyone that you know would like to integrate it into their project so if you're a developer out there and you're looking for an easy way to add animations into your ice project definitely go check out cosmic time uh, there will be a link in the show notes to that um, so we encourage you to go check it out and and take a look at it 
Well, Maria and Isaac from UX just finished wrapping up designs for networking and input device settings. Next up, they'll be working through the configuration for cosmic panels and applets. That's cool. It's always neat to see uh, what the UI and UX team is working on. Sometimes I get like little sneak peeks of some of the designs. So it's really cool to see um, really that whole design language kind of coming together. And on that note, um, with Cosmic, you know, as I just mentioned, we're really working to create a uh, cohesive and uh, consistent design system that really kind of permeates throughout the entire OS. So for example, Ashley, from engineering, she's done a lot of work to align the application launcher as we know it now in Pop! OS to the current design system. Um, so, you know, things that were that are currently in Pop! OS, you know, are being pulled into this new design system to really make it a, a really beautiful and cohesive thing. Um, so if you'd like to take a look at some of those designs and some of that work that Ashley's doing, we'll have a link to the show notes there where you can go kind of dive in and and check out you know, some of that work and and take a look at what the uh, new application launcher will look like. So, but these are just a few of the updates um, that are kind of happening through the, the cosmic development process right now. Uh, if you'd like more, I would highly encourage you to go check out the blog at blog.system76.com where you can really just kind of dive into to all of the nerdy details. So Emma, do we have a pop tip this month? We do. I got a good one for you guys. Locking your workstation. So the shortcut for that is super plus escape. So your boss walks up and sees a glimpse of kitten videos on your screen. Quick, super escape. Boom, gone. I love this. And I actually use this all of the time, especially since the last episode where you revealed that if you don't lock your screen, you're going to change the wallpaper. So every time I'm at the factory now, I make sure to super escape before I walk away from my machine. Yes, an essential shortcut to know for sure. Yeah, for sure. So Adam, I heard you had a interesting interview this month. So let's hear about that. Yeah, this month was really cool. I had a chance to speak with Larry Pescatore. He works over at Google in one of their labs. So we get to learn a little bit about what he's doing there, a little bit about his work and a little bit about his Linux journey. So what do you say? You want to jump right into it? Let's hear it. Joined with me today is Larry Pescatore from Google. Hey, Larry, how's it going? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, um, it's a pleasure to be here, first of all. Yeah, I've, I've been in the IT industry for 25 or so years. Um, I've survived the dot-com bust, uh, the housing crisis, recession, uh, multiple layoffs at different places. You know how it is out there in the news. I hope to survive this current ec economic downturn. Um, I've been at Google for about four and a half years now, and I manage the Android labs here. Our uh, labs require flexibility, making ambiguous stuff come to reality, and of course, uh, scaling on a high level. So you've been in the Linux and open source space for a while then. Uh, a question that I kind of like to ask everyone is, do you remember when you first discovered Linux? And do you remember what Linux distribution was the first distribution for you to install? Yeah. Um, I think my first Linux experience was uh, when I was at Cisco. Uh, I had to install, uh, like, I think it was 2012, so it's probably, you know, uh, Ubuntu 12.04 or something like that. Um, that was my first exposure, and it was very confusing at first. Uh, but uh, in about 2014, I, I started at Juniper, and uh, Juno OS uh, is FreeBSD-based, free um, so it is 
kind of like Linux. Um, and we were like running uh, grep commands and stuff like that in the root shell. I, I basically, you know, learned, you know, like basic stuff like ETH tool. And I just, I, I just kept getting better and better at it. So uh, when I got to Google, it was a pretty easy transition. And then I, you know, Mac, Mac, uh, MacBook is my daily driver, so uh, that's kind of Unix-based. Um, so I mean, all in all, it's it's pretty uh, essential to know it uh, in in my field. So I hear you guys have a Meerkat farm and or Meerkat family over there at Google. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're using those Meerkats for? Uh, so yeah, um, we ha we have uh, several hundred seventy six hosts, uh, system seventy six hosts deployed across three labs. Um, we we mainly chose to use them because they're small. Um, they need to be small form factor because we want to densify as much as possible. Uh, also maximizing space and that sort of thing. Um, we really like, we really like system 76 because uh, we can customize the Ram uh, hard drive size and all that stuff. Uh, they run, you know, very dependably and they're always on. So you've worked for some really cool companies. Um, are there any cool projects out there that you've worked on that you're really proud of? Maybe not necessarily at Google, but just within your career? Yeah, sure. Um, so a big help in uh, getting me hired here full time uh, was when I, I was I actually started here as a contractor and uh, the lab was new that I was working in. Um, w there was a bunch of Windows machines that uh, had to be like hand configured. So there was like an eight or nine page document. They wanted me to find a way to do it easier and more reliably, uh, less error prone, stuff like that. Um, so at the same time, I decided to learn about uh, Ansible, uh, which is a, like a configuration management tool. And uh, that's actually open source and free. So it's actually really cool because um, it's easy to access. Uh, so Windows Ansible is a lot more difficult than, say, like uh, Linux Ansible. Um, there's a lot more caveats that you have to kind of know about. So it took me a, a couple of weeks to figure out the first task, which was uh, getting the machines the ping from my Ansible control machine, which as a chance would have it was a system 76. Um, <laughs> so uh, once I got that worked out, uh, everything got easier and easier. And I was uh, making the windows machines like do cool stuff, like talk over the speakers. And uh, in addition to all the stuff that I actually needed to do, um, the software, <laughs> the software engineers uh, at the time were pretty impressed that I automated like 90% of the manual work. Um, and actually, that that was instrumental in helping me get a full time job here. So um, I'm I'm glad that you know I, I was able to use Linux to you know have Google see some value in me and hire me full time. Yeah, Ansible is really awesome because you just build your playbooks and then deploy them, right? Yeah, I mean I I, I, I still use it to this day. Uh, we run it once a week just to keep the system fleet all healthy. Um, and it helps us like identify hosts that may be down and stuff like that. So it's a really great tool overall. So you mentioned earlier that you guys are using Meerkats. And one of the reasons is because you're able to upgrade the RAM and the hard disk and those sorts of things. Are there any other reasons that you're using System76 hardware? Um, I think, you know, I, I know there's other NUCs out there um, that are the similar in form factor and stuff. Uh, but uh, you know, in addition to the size, uh, System76 has a pretty well-proven uh, track record of reliability. Uh, when we order 
The turnaround time is pretty quick, and customer service is really good. So all that all that stuff kind of means something uh, when you're you know, trying to deal with a, a vendor. So you've had a lot of experience in the Linux and open source space, Juniper, Cisco, now Google. If someone's out there trying to get their foot in the door and get started with a career in Linux and open source, do you have any recommendations or suggestions for them? Yeah, um, so I would just definitely like advise that you kind of get in where you can. Um, so tell you about my situation. Um, I have a few contractors that are my lab techs. Um, for most of them, this is their first lab job out of college or, or whatever. Um, maybe it's a career change. Um, and this is exactly where I was, you know, you know, 12 years ago or so when I started in labs. Um, so for, for that reason, I don't really expect like deep product knowledge, um, that can always be taught. Uh, what I look for is, uh, what I, what I look for is desire to learn and motivation to succeed. Um, so right, right now, you know, uh, times are a little bit tough and hiring is more limited, but I think that will change. Um, it's just a cycle we're going through. Uh, you, you, you'd actually be surprised at how few people know Linux, but Linux is pretty much a core fundamental, like an any tech company. So what I would advise, like if you can, just take a class on Linux for free or super cheap on like Udemy or something. Um, buy yourself a Raspberry Pi, you know, for seventy-five dollars and set it up at home. Uh, learn, you know, and get good at it. Uh, write a program to, you know, something that is actually practical, like to control your smart lights in the house or something. Um, even something like write, you know, a magic eight ball program in Python. Um, if, if you can do something like simple like that, you can, you'll, you'll definitely have a really big edge on those interviewing for the same job. Yeah. I think that's really good advice for those out there listening. Just yeah. Grab yourself a, a raspberry Pi or something like that and just teach yourself and, and dive in and see where you get. Was there anything that I didn't ask or didn't cover that you would like to talk about? Um, maybe uh, there, there's people out there that assume that automation means that taking over jobs, uh, that's not really true. Uh, what, what automation does is it actually creates jobs. Uh, people need to be able to write and, and run all this automation stuff and then debug it when it's broken. So um, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, Saving Private Ryan, which I'm sure most people have, um, there's, there's actually a scene in there where uh, there's a bunch of ladies in a room like decoding uh, messages and stuff like that. Um, as, as you probably know, that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Um, but all those people had to go somewhere. Right. So, um, I mean, it's just, it's basically progress, you know, maybe changing the job field, but you know, it, it's, it's easy to adapt to if you go to the right thing. So I really, uh, don't think people should get discouraged by automation. I think it's always going to be a, there's always going to be something that's, you know, threatening a certain sector of jobs, but those people can always retrain and get into something else and, you know, hopefully make more money off of it. <laughs> um, and then uh, I also wanted to, you know, thank you guys uh, for sending us uh, T-shirts and stickers whenever we order stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I'm more than happy to uh, load you up with as many T-shirts or stickers as you'll ever need. <laughs> I mean, you did mention that you had some new people in the lab, so I'd be more than happy to get some shirts or stickers over there for them to rock. Yeah, I'll, I'll always be happy to pass that stuff on. 
we've talked about automation a little bit using Ansible and things like that. And now we have, you know, AI in the space such as Bard. Uh, I recently had an opportunity to kind of play with Bard. I got an invite and I had it write me some Arduino code. Uh, just a really simple little sketch that turned an LED on or off. How do you think the combination of AI and automation is going to affect the you know space in the future? Yeah, I think uh, you know Bard is a, a great tool, um, and it's it's like Google Search is a great tool. Um, it, it it can't do your job for you, and it shouldn't, um, but it should be able to point you in the right direction. Um, I've used it to generate you know some Python code or whatever. Um, but you still have to know uh, what it's doing before you actually implement it. So I think you know I think Bard and you know the other competitors are uh, are great, um, but I don't think it's a replacement for people just yet. Absolutely, that's similar to my beliefs. I mean, I wouldn't want to, at least not currently, have AI generate code for me that I would then execute on some production servers, especially not without verifying that code first and making sure that it works as it should. Yeah, I don't think uh, people will become software engineers just by telling Bard to write them, write them some code. Uh, that's really not the intended purpose. Um, and it's, it's like uh, kids using it for term papers. I, I don't think it's going to be acceptable like just to do that. So I have a good friend of mine who's actually writing some code right now, writing an application. Um, and he knew that he had a memory leak somewhere and he had actually just taken his code and thrown it into Bard and asked Bard to find the memory leak. And it did. So I think there's something to be said that even the seasoned professional can really find some use out of this to help them push their project to the next level. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like, you know, like I said, like Google search has turned out to be like, an indispensable tool, um, and people should continue to use it so it uh, trains and gets better and better. Absolutely. And just one final question for you. If people wanted to reach out and connect with you, where could they find you? Um, you're more than welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm just under my real name, and uh, I look forward to connecting with people. Well, with that, Larry, I'd like to thank you for being on the podcast today. It was great getting to chat with you, and I think our listeners are really going to gain a lot from this. And I can't wait to see what's around the corner for Google. I, I really can't wait either. It's uh, exciting times. Um, things are changing so fast, even at, even at Google, um, that you know it'll make your head spin if you don't pay attention. This has been the System76 Transmission Log. For more inspiration, check out the website and follow us on social media. On your descent back to Earth, Please keep your hands and feet inside the transport beam at all times. Captain sign off in transmission.